everybody. It's Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. And we're going to be talking this week about the big New Orleans Entrepreneur Week coming up next week. Um, I, I, I have a... I jokingly call this um, spring break for entrepreneurs because while it's extremely serious and there's lots of pitches and forums and talks and networking, there's also an awful lot of party and fun. I mean, this is New Orleans after all. We don't do anything here without a little bit of fun. So um, the most important thing I want to say about this before we talk about it is that anybody can go to it and it is free. This is very important. All you have to do is register. You go online at Idea Village or NOEW, which? NOEW.org. NOEW.org and register. Um, the events are spread out uh, over the five days. It kind of crescendos on Friday when the pitch contests kind of, you know, escalate to the level of big numbers. Um, but it's it's a terrific way of listening to other people um, pitch what they do and getting ideas for how you can pitch what you do. And um, you know the stories already now about how all these big deal tech guys started in somebody's garage and, and put together this little piece of equipment and that and some coding and whatever. And next thing you know, they are um, being attacked for being too big. And it's like now we're at the other end of the thing. Do we need to regulate these big characters? And um, we can maybe touch on that during the discussion. But John Atkinson is CEO of Idea Village, which has been around now for almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And um, uh, Robert Laca is uh, with Tulane's LePage Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation, and he's also a professor of business. So um, these are the guys that are kind of pulling this whole thing together with a lot of help from their staff. Uh, so we're going to start with them, and then we're going to hear from um, Kurt Weigel, who's the head of the Downtown Development District, and Kurt's one of my favorite people in economic development in New Orleans because he's one of the few people who truly understand how core the creative industries are to the future of the economy of New Orleans. He, he gets it. And um, Jonathan Jackson's a filmmaker. And Jonathan is the kind of guy we want to keep in New Orleans, and we're going to talk with him and see how those deliberations about whether he can do his filmmaking long-term here in the city or have to go someplace else. That's a very much very important part of um, our discussion. Um, let me start out with you, John. I mean, there does seem to be a slightly different flavor to this year's Idea Village, and I know this is partially uh, as a result of your partnership with Tulane, but it's probably also because – um, our entrepreneurial community is growing. Absolutely. Um, so thank you, Jean. I'm uh, very excited to be here today and to have the opportunity to talk with you uh, and all of your audience about New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. Um, I think you're absolutely correct. This year's Entrepreneur Week is uh, going to harken back to some of the great events of the year of years past, but it's also going to be something a little bit different. Um, Rob and I have worked really hard in putting this uh, this uh, program together to really make sure that we are 
uh, being intentional about how we're featuring different entrepreneurs across our community, how we're bringing together national thought leaders uh, with our local success stories, and how we're effectively telling those success stories in a way that people can take away lessons learned that are going to be applicable to them in starting and ultimately scaling up their own businesses. So I, I have to say uh, a little bit of an aside. I, I lately have been a total um, uh, addict of the evening um, – Cable shows. Uh, first of all, because of the soap opera, it started out as a soap opera. It's gotten much more serious than that in terms of what's going on at the national level in our politics. But as I try to explain to my husband, who who's had it, he's done. He doesn't want to listen to it anymore. That I listen to it because of the brain power that you hear on these shows. You are listening to some of the top legal minds in the country, top political minds in the country, um, talk about what's going on in a very um, substantive, deep, uh, often very um, prescient way. And uh, that's one of the things that I get out of NOEW is that you're, you're listening to uh, both really smart people who have a lot of experience under their belt, who have um, – really learned things that they're willing to share. They're generous in that. Uh, but also the young, innovative types who are just getting out there and, and, and trying to kick behind. And um, so you're, you're getting exposed to really interesting information and ideas. And it, 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 it's like, it's almost like going to, you know, some kind of post-grad program. It's, it's very, very important. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about who you've got coming this year that you think um, we can all benefit from listening to. So I think that's absolutely accurate. As this is a this is a program that is designed to educate in a lot of different ways, and um, and we've put it together to be. Um, a platform where we can really uh, leverage what we're doing, and this is part of the partnership that we've developed with Tulane, is to leverage the Tulane network to be able to tap into the relationships that Tulane has around the country to bring those national thought leaders here, right? Put them on the stage in New Orleans, live, local, free and open to the public uh, due to our support from our sponsors like J.P. Morgan Chase and others uh, that is – a, a way to have that really high-level uh, intellectual conversation in a lot of ways um, that we wouldn't necessarily be able to have uh, without a platform like this. And so um, it gives us an excuse to bring those people here uh, and to connect them with our local communities and hopefully to catalyze some conversations uh, that continue year-round and that lead to ultimately starting uh, starting businesses that are going to thrive in New Orleans. Um, so a couple we, examples. Yeah, if we think about some of the content that we have coming down. So um, – uh, a couple of the, the things that I'm excited about, we have uh, Marcus Limonis uh, from the CNBC show The Prophet, who will be here on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. Um, he is uh, speaking about um, the intersection of people and profits uh, and how his show on CNBC is really about how you turn around businesses, so some of the lessons learned from that process. Other than firing people. Other than firing people, that's yeah, right. That's I, I hate reading about takeovers and – Half the workforce gets decimated. I'm thinking, yeah, how does that how does that really improve the core business? Anyway, go ahead. Yep. Um, so on uh, Friday around midday lunchtime keynote, we have a really big session that's going to be moderated by Walter Isaacson uh, with Jim Clark and Jim Barksdale, who are two of the three founders of Netscape, which is uh, a company that is really credited with the founding of the internet in a lot of ways. It was how people accessed the internet. 
uh, originally, um, and it before there was an Internet Explorer, before there was a Google Chrome, before there was a before there was endless a, advertising. That's right, even an AOL. Um, and so the um, uh, so and the there the uh, two of the three founders of Netscape. The third guy is Mark Andreessen, is a name that uh, some people may be familiar with. Who's gone on to do some really interesting things in in tech and entrepreneurship. What are these guys up to now? Um, so I think they're enjoying life for the most part at this point. But How dare they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, so uh, Jim Barksdale actually lives in Mississippi um, and has uh, been connected in that community. And, and uh, anyway, he's been there from the beginning. I yep. mean, that's, that's where – that was his base. Yeah. There's a, there's a very interesting uh, show that has just been released on uh, Discovery Channel, I believe, and Amazon uh, called Valley of the Boom that is a, a very entertaining documentary about – uh, the history of Netscape, um, and it features prominently Jim Clark and Jim Barksdale, uh, and is a is a really interesting story uh, about kind of Web 1.0 and uh, um, how the internet bubble came to be, and what the what the lessons that we can take away from that process are. I actually um, interacted with Barksdale a bit uh, as a result of the storm. He was very much engaged in the planning after the storm to help bring Mississippi yeah. back. And then he is a board member. He may still be, I'm not sure, of Rand Corporation, which I do a lot of work with. So um, he's a pretty interesting ca- character and a good guy, yeah. a good guy. And uh, Jim Clark has had an affiliation with Tulane for a long time. Uh, and so we're excited to bring him back. Well, we, we've been joking. We've got the three best Jims that anybody could have. Um, so we've got Jim Clark, Jim Barksdale. We also have Jim Coulter coming back again this year. Of course, Jim Coulter is um, one of the reasons why Noe got its start. And so New Orleans Entrepreneur Week started when a bunch of business school students were coming down to New Orleans to help with our startups. And then, lo and behold, 11 years later, we have this amazing conference where everyone gets to come for free, and, and he's still contributing. And so um, – but Jim Clark has been really great to Tulane. He, uh, we gave him an honorary degree last year at commencement, um, and he's been someone who um, has continued to invest his time and, and, and his resources back into the university. Um, but we, we have so many people, not just um, – these sort of headline names I'm sure a lot of people know, but a lot of experts from Tulane that are going to be a part of this. And so we have um, the person who runs our big data program, big data and analytics, is going to be speaking. We've got Peter Raschuti. I'm sure many people know Peter. He's going to be moderating a panel with uh, or a discussion with the CEO of Tabasco. Um, we've got uh, uh, the former CFO of JetBlue is a professor at Tulane, and he's giving a great talk about how the most innovative ideas often aren't the ideas that uh, you can justify on the bottom line. <laughs> They're often the hardest to figure out where the money is going to actually be made at first. And so he often says, how do you get CFOs to not just say N-O to an idea that they can't trade? I've always – uh, and I, I probably am completely wrong about this because I am no business expert. Tr- trust me, ask my husband. That's not my strong suit. But um, I, I have the impression sometimes when the CFO takes over a company, it's kind of when innovation does get shut down somewhat. And, and they start falling into kind of a status quo phase. Is that wrong? I mean, that's absolutely usually the case, and Mark Powers is going to give people an idea of how to actually get around that, and and how do you make your pitch compelling to them, even if there's not an immediate sense of what that bottom line is going to be, bottom line addition is going to be from the get-go. 
And so that session's on Thursday afternoon. What's really great about this, we have two stages that are running concurrently, and this is Thursday and Friday of next week, all at the AS Hotel. It's back-to-back-to-back sessions. And so we've taken what we've seen from other conferences that you're usually paying $700, $800, $1,000 to attend. We're opening it up for free for everybody. But we're taking the same structure with the same quality of speakers. And so we're doing 20 minutes back-to-back-to-back sessions on the innovation stage that was sponsored by Oshner. And then Intergy is sponsoring what we're calling the discovery stage, a smaller stage with 30-minute sessions where you'll have some Q&A where you can discuss some of these ideas with our speakers. And so, so, so it's, it's got to move fast and people got to make their points um, in, in short form, which is uh, the better way because you really can absorb it. Um, Gene, you won't get bored at this conference. I can promise you that <clears throat> you'll be able to go from one session to the next, and you can go from learning about hospitality and learning about how that's the, what's the future of hospitality look like for New Orleans, and then turn around. You're hearing from a company like Waiter that sold for over $300 million and is was raised all its money in Lake Charles, and they were able to do it with local money. And, and, and they were – that's the company I was trying to remember that has started here, somebody was telling me about. So um, that was in a very short time frame. Very short. So Waiter has done it in a period that no one thought they could in a crowded marketplace when Uber Eats and everything else was already getting up and running, and they did it really well. They did it locally with uh, a, with local markets, with local small businesses. The other thing I love about Chris Moe is he's really honest. He's that's not the name gonna, of the guy uh, who runs it? That's Chris. it, yeah, Ooh. Chris Moe. M-E-A-O-U-X, of course. Uh, And so Chris, um, he actually sold to the um, person who owns the Houston Rockets. And so it really is a great story for our region about how we can connect up to both local capital in the Lake Charles area, but also support. He's, he's been at NOE almost every year, and he's okay. been someone who's really been a part of the family. So Waiter, and I think Chris is going to tell part of this story, but was actually founded out of a startup weekend, which is one of the types of programming that we all run. We bring people together. We put them in a room. We say, what are some problems that you can think about solving? Uh, how do you put a team together around solving that, and what can you do in 48 hours? And so the original idea for Waiter actually came out of an event like that, wow. and Chris was able to run with that to, uh, you know, $300 million company in a, the span of about five years um, out of Lake Charles, Louisiana. And it's uh, it's really just an incredible, incredible story. Um, he's also, in a lot of ways, beating Uber Eats and some of the big Silicon Valley players at their own game uh, because he's focusing on markets that they weren't necessarily focused on. And he's doing it in a way that puts restaurants first uh, and that puts – uh, his drivers first, and so he really focuses on the on the systems and the sort of internal pieces of that puzzle. Um, and it sounds like dealing way. with people in a more equitable way, which ultimately results in much better performance and um, success. Yep. I mean, really, a lot, a lot of folks don't think that's the most important thing to focus on, but it has incredible um, value. Yeah, that's one thing that I think is really – we're going to hear throughout the entire two-day summit next Thursday and Friday is that these companies are being built differently because they're being built in New Orleans. And so Lucid is one – um, Patrick Comer, who is the chairman of John's board, he was Tulane's uh, Entrepreneur of the Year last year. Um, so Patrick founded Lucid, and they actually didn't even win the Coulter pitch at New Orleans Entrepreneur Week when they did it. What was it, John? We figured out it was eight years ago. Is that right? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. I mean, the, here's a guy who's up there with a company that didn't even wasn't even the best in his pitch competition seven, eight years ago. Now he's alongside Jim Coulter judging this next round and investing in this next generation. What's amazing, though, is that there's a 
difference in our tech companies because of the way that we treat people and we, we pay it forward and there's a sense of that community. And Patrick has led on that in many ways, but so have other CEOs. They, they view themselves as, as, as civic leaders, as people who care about this community and want to build this entrepreneurial community and pay it forward in a you way know, that's really different. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And in some ways I'm not surprised because we are a more – I'm not sure I would use the word humane, but I'm going to use the word human kind of community. That's good. And yet, at the same time, I will tell you there's thousands of people in the city of New Orleans who will say, are you kidding me? Hmm. That we are not exactly – we're not equitable. We're still racist. We have a huge poverty. We have – we're one of the poorest cities in the country. When when people ask me, Gene, how come such and such doesn't happen? I'm saying – we're poor. So, Gene, let me address that one head on because we're addressing Please. it head on in the agenda. Uh, when John and I sat down and we tried to structure this New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, the first one that Tulane and Idea Village would do together and the first, ones that, first one that we would do together, we said we're going to address this directly. There are panels on how to become an anti-racist organization, which Andrea Chen's leading up, which is really important. Andrea Chen, of course, with Propeller and all of the work that she's been doing, not only for our city, but specifically for the Broad Street Initiative that she's been funded by Kaufman to do. Really good work that's bringing national funding into our city to address these issues. But also people like Casey Gerald. And so Casey is someone who wrote a book. If anyone out there has not read it, I highly encourage you. Casey. It's, it's Gerald, G-E-R-A-L-D. Um, the book's called There Will Be No Miracles Here, and he directly addresses how um, systems of oppression have held him back and how he's been able to not only overcome that but then also look around and say, you know what? I'm the exception, not the rule, and people who lift someone like him up. He was from a poor family in, in outside Dallas, and he ended up going to Yale, going to Harvard, and then looked around and said, you know what? But there's still – plenty of ways that this could be improved. His book talks about that, and he's talking about that on Friday afternoon at New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, moderated in a discussion with uh, Joshua Cox. Josh is someone who is one of Mayor Cantrell's top advisors. And who we, is that? It's Josh Cox. Um, mm-hmm. And so Josh, I'll be honest with you, we got Casey here because Josh is a dear friend who is able to help get Casey here. And that's how this entire New Orleans Entrepreneur Week schedule yeah. was built, is that New Orleanians reaching out to people who they – respect and that they think could be great additions to our conversation locally, bringing them here. And that's what makes me so excited about this is that it's both, as John said, national leaders that NPR and New York Times called this a best book of last year. He's coming. He's going to be given a conversation. That's Casey Gerald. That's right. But, you know, there's, there's still a little bit of a syndrome where you get a Casey Gerald who is an exceptional person, mm-hmm. exceptionally qualified, exceptionally co- competent, and, and pursues his dream and breaks through. That's still an exception. And we have a whole lot of kids coming out of our schools in New Orleans without the skill base, without the career um, awareness of what they can be doing. One of the courses that I um, provide, and not to enough people, called Creative Futures, is all about trying to help kids who are creative understand the full scope of the jobs that are out there for people in the creative fields. And it's like 12 pages of Department of Labor Statistics you know, uh, small print, and and they just don't know about it, and they're not getting trained. I I wish that somebody in my junior high school in the Bronx had taught me how to be an entrepreneur instead of home ec. Home ec is not something I'm ever going to do, quite frankly. Entrepreneurism, I wish I'd learned more about it. 
Yeah, so this is an issue that I'm actually personally incredibly passionate about. I come uh, from Loyola University. I helped build up the entrepreneurship program there. One of the big things that we spent a lot of our time talking about was how do we build this innovation-ready workforce in New Orleans? Uh, and so within New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, we've actually allocated uh, almost an entire sort of keynote spot to having a panel on specifically this issue, which is if you're someone who's looking at, who's on the outside looking in, right, first, first and foremost, the place to start or the place to show up is at NOE, right? It is in a lot of ways the front door to this ecosystem. And so you can come, it's free, you can get connected, you can see what's going on, you can understand what the ecosystem looks like, and you can navigate from there. It's, and I'll tell you one not, thing, let me just uh, uh, interrupt you for one second and say that when I go to the events, what I'm always amazed at is the diversity people there. It's, it's extremely diverse in every category, um, women, guys, black, white, all other kinds of nationalities. Everybody's right. there. And we want to reflect New Orleans, right? And we want the tech ecosystem in New, in New Orleans to reflect New Orleans. And so uh, this panel is actually really it is about um, pulling out uh, emerging leaders from these tech companies, but really that second generation of talent, right? These aren't the people that you necessarily th think of and associate with the companies in New Orleans, like the GE Digitals and the DXCs and the, you know, larger tech companies, Lucid's, the waiters of the world. These are the folks that are actually in the trenches doing the work day in and day out that have come up through uh, the, the sort of systems and promotions through these types of companies. And we need to have a, a frank conversation uh, across this community, but starting at NOE, about what do roles in these type, in startup companies and in tech companies actually look like? How do you get in? Where do you start? What skills do you need? What do the career paths look like? What are you going to be doing every day? Um, and how do you how, how do you break in, right? And so this uh, this panel, which is going to be Thursday, uh, starting at noon, I believe, uh, it's going to be moderated by Adrian Lanus, who's actually a former keynote speaker from uh, past years of NOE. He's the VP of Consumer Insights from Netflix. Uh, he is somebody who is uh, you know, very concerned and very interested in these workforce issues. Uh, and he is going to be moderating a panel of uh, folks from uh, Lucid, from Civic Source, from um, um, other tech uh, startup companies around town uh, that's going to really get into these types of issues as what do these jobs look like and how do we connect them to our broader community? Okay. Uh, so – a lot of uh, – if, if you have a couple more highlights that you want to share with me, let's do that. But I also want to call attention to the fun stuff too. So just so That's people right. know that you you can crunch these sessions. And by the way, one other question. Do you do videos of them, and are they available online afterwards? So we are working on that. Uh, we will have uh, we will have some recording going on at uh, NOE, but we're not – we're not quite there where we can simulcast it or we can uh, distribute it going afterwards. So we may be able to get some of the highlights out. But Why, why um, don't you talk to the Novak people and, and see if you can't get her to plug in some of the younger – you don't have to have high-quality video to get it online. For God, you know, that's, that's, we're all shooting videos every day now and sending them out to our friends, whatever. I mean, how, what, how big a challenge is it really to get some video? Yeah, because so the we're thing have... is a lot of people can't – get there during the day, during their working yep. hours. And so let's make this accessible to them. And, you know, talk to they're – very, they're very resourceful, the Novak people. Yeah, we're going to have um, – I mean, And Loyola, your, mm -hmm. your shop. We're, we're, 
plan on actually, I mean, the hope is that we'll be able to do a lot of these conversations online as well. So uh, on Twitter, we've already started a, uh, an Ask Me Anything with, with our speakers leading up to New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. And so hashtag uh, N-O-E-W, NOE2019. So hashtag NOE2019. Um, so if people are, are interested, they can start engaging with our speakers right now. And that's what's amazing about this era that we live in is that you don't even have to be in New Orleans. You could be anywhere and be a part of what's happening here. And that's what we, we were able to bring with this conference. The beauty of NOE, though, is that it is a free, open, in-person gathering. And that's something we do want to make sure that we're continuing is that we keep it to be something that's, as John said, the wide open door for our entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I know this is going to sound corny, but I do want to tell folks out there, you don't have to have some fancy business suit to go to this. You can come and have a hoodie on just like everybody else. Yeah, John's there. wearing a T-shirt. He's going to be wearing a T-shirt probably all week. It's the way it goes, right, John? That's right. right. Okay. <laughs> so, as you are. Uh, it's, it's, it's very informal, and um, it's just so valuable. Any one uh, – other forum you want to call out, and then I want to talk about the fun stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I, I would just say the let's go straight to the fun stuff. Honestly, Wednesday night <laughs> we're doing something at Nola Brewing that I want everyone to know about, and so we're doing a big kickoff party with Big Sam's Funky Nation that evening. Oh, he's so um, great, and that's going to be following after um, our pitch competitions that we're doing it with Tulane um, at, at the Stewart Center CBD, which is in the new Noki Building. Um, so that's that's a great opportunity to hear students uh, and get feedback uh, on on um, how to so, do. So wait a minute, of, Nola Bre- Brewing. Is that evening, and right before it, we're doing something at, at Noki. That we'll okay, so Noki here. first. Uh, where is Nola Brewing? I hate to admit it. It's not my thing. Chapatulis and 7th Street. Chapatulis uh, and 7th. So okay. Intergy is actually our sponsor for this kickoff party, and it's an interesting tie-in. We were just talking about workforce. So one of the reasons that they were interested in doing this is to uh, because they are launching a significant uh, – Intergy Innovation Initiative in New Orleans, and they're going to be hiring a significant number of people uh, to fill roles in that new team. And so they are coming uh, to sponsor this party and to sponsor uh, NOE because they want to connect with people that are looking for jobs. Oh, that's great. That's that's really great. And then so some some job opportunities floating around there. Bring your resumes, everybody. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, we see every interaction that happens during Noe as new ideas that could lead to new companies that get started that become the next waiter or the next Lucid, or you get an opportunity to meet somebody who could connect you up to job opportunities. It's very collaborative and very supportive, right? And so that's something that that I mean, for John and I both personally. Uh, I was, I'm not from New Orleans. I ended up meeting my wife at Jazz Fest, and I'm here now. But <laughs> where, where have I heard that story before? <laughs> everywhere from everyone, right? Hey, the importance of the creative economy to be able to, to attract people who love this place. Um, yeah, yeah. But I was back at Noe uh, just every single year. I'd make a priority of when I was living in North Carolina and going to graduate school, I came back here, right? I mean, it's just it's part of the lifeblood of this place. And, and Noe really is the time where entrepreneurs have that moment. We all have different moments throughout the course of the calendar that matter, and this is entrepreneurship season in some sense. And so we, we're really excited to be carrying that flag forward. You know, this is our first year putting it on, so we, we put a lot of time and energy and effort into making it not only really high quality, but also a lot of fun. And so, all right. So that's the opening night, Wednesday night. At, at it starts. Um, 
the program at Noki starts at what time? So the program at Noki starts at 2, and I should mention on the calendar on the website, noe.org, noew.org, throughout the entire course of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there are events. We're doing the official summit kickoff Wednesday night, right. and then Thursday, Friday is all going to be at the Ace Hotel, and that's where we have a lot of speakers and a lot of uh, of actually fun things in the evening, too. We have a, a party by Zender on Thursday night and then another party on, on Friday night um, with New Orleans Inc. as well. So. Okay, tell me about the parties. Oh, well, they're going to be fun, I can tell you that. <laughs> right. That much I can figure out. <laughs> but um, details, time, place. Where are people going to park? I mean, I know you can valet park through Ace, um, but that's always an issue for me. I, I well, either the go or I don't go, depending on whether I know where to park. They're, they're going to let you park in the street for free after 8 p.m. The city's very kind about that. Oh, so. yeah, well, that's, that's a limited number of spots. <laughs> yeah, that's always the challenge of being downtown, right, as where do you park. I think there's um, – uh, yeah, that's one that we're we, – we, a problem we have not solved for our audience. So if there's an <laughs> entrepreneur out there that uh, would like to bring a solution, that would be a, that would be a good one to come Catch with. a blue bike. <laughs> Catch a blue bike. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Exactly you may right. have to do it that way. <clears throat> what do you hope to accomplish coming out of this, um, this particular program this year? And um, are you aware of some of the people who are pitching? And can you highlight for me uh, an example of something that you think might have um, some – you know, real potential. So we hope that uh, folks... Not to... Not to I, I know it's dangerous because I'm kind of asking you... I don't want you to advocate, but just give me a couple examples of types of things that are being uh, yeah. introduced. So... Um, we hope that people come away with a real connection that's going to be meaningful for them, that there's going to be something actionable that comes out after the week, right? Uh, so it's it's really about, uh, you know, New Orleans has been ranked nationally for both uh, connectivity and culture uh, within the startup ecosystem. Uh, and that's something that we're really proud of. And I think that's something that is really uniquely New Orleans. Uh, and so this is, this is our moment to really capitalize on that. And so... Um, it's about folks coming. It's about folks having a good time. It's about folks learning something. It's about folks taking away something that's going to be valuable for them long term. And it's about making that connection uh, that's going to really turn into an opportunity down the road. Um, we have a lot of great companies coming through to pitch uh, uh, through both our own events. Our, our main showcase is the idea pitch on Friday uh, evening that will start around uh, 5.45 p.m. with the Jim Coulter keynote and then follow immediately into the pitch competition. Um, we're highlighting three companies from our accelerator cohort uh, that are – uh, predominantly tech-based companies. This is what our accelerator focuses on, but uh, it is uh, folks that are doing really exciting things in uh, kind of B2B technology and uh, solving uh, interesting complex problems. That idea pitch is actually a way for the audience to get involved in the pitch competition. So the audience gets to be investor for a day, and they vote. Uh, we have an esteemed That's panel. always one of my most fun things is, is right. being able to put that vote in. Yeah. So we have a very esteemed panel of judges led by Jim Coulter and Patrick Comer who are helping fund that competition. Uh, they're going to ask some questions. They're going to give some feedback. They're going to give some insight to the audience and how they would look at investing in those, uh, in those companies. And then uh, ultimately the audience is going to make a decision about uh, who the Idea Village will, will invest in. So I am going to now <clears> – <throat> I'm waiting for Kurt Weigel uh, to call in, which I'm sure is going to happen any second. But in the meantime, I think I'm going to get Jonathan 
Jackson into the uh, discussion here, if I can kind of figure out how to hook him up, get uh, earphones here, uh, and, and maybe, um, one, no, come back, let, let me let you slide over, sure you pull in, you can plug in, that, that'll take two people, and you don't have to disconnect. And uh, let's get you uh, into the discussion, because the interesting thing about uh, Jonathan and, um, you know, someday somebody's going to do these statistics and figure it out because we, we are always so excited about all of our um, tech folks and the tech industries. Uh, but I would maintain that a very large and larger than normal percentage of our entrepreneurs in the city of New Orleans are creatives. And, and Jonathan um, is, one, is an example of, uh, of one of our creatives, and he's working in the film and and video and uh, media um, sector. So um, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing and, and your track and sort of your, your, the trend of your career and, <laughs> and, and how you see things going forward because you're my customer. You're our customer. We want you to be here, to stay here, to bring other people in, and we know that there is an easier I happen to be going through some of the research materials I've compiled for our forum, and um, it was about sort of how many jobs, creative job industries jobs there are in each city and, and uh, pay scale and so on, and um, Los Angeles is like up there, <laughs> and then New Orleans is in there, but it's, it's not quite up there. So um, tell me about yourself, Jonathan. Uh, well, I'm a filmmaker. I've been a filmmaker for a while, loud enough. Um, I'm from here. Um, I lived in the city for a while, um, but it ended up getting a little bit too expensive, so I had to move to Jefferson Parish. Um, a lot of what I'm seeing is is mostly access um, and money, or access to money. Um, the conversation as far as leaving is I worked in television news for um, 15 years. You don't make a lot of money there. Um, and I utilized that to create these films or to support this filmmaking uh, addiction I have. Um, but it did get to a point where, um, you know, we were trying to incorporate a business, and um, I decided at the end of last year to leave that television job and to jump into film, and essentially just to start over as a PA. So that's kind of where I am now, like literally starting over. Um, it's probably a good idea to get in at the bottom in a way. I mean, it's, it's I'm, I'm sure it's a risky and tough choice mm -hmm. when you're more mature in your career right. to do that. But a lot of people have done well, that. I had to save up. I had to save up just to quit. And, and, so you and did that. That takes discipline. Um, so, but the, the idea of it is to um, learn more from a, a, a higher level of filmmaking and, a, and um, people with more resources and see how they do their books, how they get their money, how they utilize their resources and apply that to my own filmmaking. Um, the problem is, is obviously as a PA, you don't get paid a lot of money. Um, and I'm still making films. I still have projects out there. And the issue of leaving is more so of uh, cost versus um, access in other places. So I have friends that move to New York, Philadelphia. My partner's in Philadelphia, my filmmaking partner, um, Atlanta and LA. And it seems like when people move, and they're all of color, when it seems like when they move, they have more access and they do a lot better. They make a lot more money. Um, so that's why if I'm at a PA level, I mean, I'm going to make, you know, this little money wherever, and it's going to take me a while to get to these levels at the, you know, the, the, the higher levels of filmmaking, you make a lot of money. Um, but there aren't a lot of minorities involved in 
the film business that we're always protecting and talking about. Um, but if you go to somewhere like Atlanta, there are. Uh, you can go to L.A. and New York where they have those pockets of people um, who are minorities that you can learn from. So that's kind of where I am now where it's like, you know, if I can make more money somewhere else or if I make the same amount of money somewhere else, it might be beneficial for me to move and uh, just start over, like, completely and, and see if I can move my way up. So so what would make it possible for you to stay here? Um, I mean, I, I think it's just more of a decision of, of if it makes sense um, to my bottom line. Like I said, if, if you know, right now we, we shot a, a web series in Philadelphia in January. Um, we were able to raise money through um, Seed and Spark, which is a, a crowdfunding um, platform. Um, but like I said, my film partner is in Philadelphia, so we went up there to shoot it. Um, and like right now, as we're wrapping up this uh, film that I'm working on, um, we're having a conversation as to whether I should go up there. Because if I do move up there, I still have these 15 years of, of news. I have a filmmaking resume, and now I have that one film that I've worked on um, as a PA. If I move to Philadelphia, I will, not only would I be able to work in that area, but I could probably make more money. Um, so it's not, at this point, it's just where the money is going to come from. Like, as soon as I get an offer um, or an opportunity to, to, to make more money, I'm probably going to leave. So, um, many years ago, uh, <laughs> back in the day when I was in WDSU myself. No, we didn't want to say the name of the place. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't claiming it for you, but I was just saying that's, that, that's where right. I was. I was at WDSU. Well, I just ratted myself up. <laughs> right, exactly. And um, I left uh, with the uh, vision that I was going to become a um, music video producer. Right. So... Um, and I went right up against that wall of not being able to raise capital mm -hmm. to do it. I raised uh, enough to shoot. I did not have enough to edit. And right. it was about the Nevilles. And right. I had beautiful footage because I was actually a pretty good, not only interviewer, but videographer. And I had a, a great guy who was uh, doing the shooting. Um, so when Cox Cable came to town mm -hmm. and they had to get their franchise and they had to do some give back and, and make people happy, um, I persuaded them to um, – uh, not just them, but a, a board that ran the public stations mm -hmm. to commit some of the funding, not just for nonprofits, but for independent film producers. Mm -hmm. It was like $250,000, right. which uh, we're, we're, this is, I don't remember what year it was. Let's see. It would be the late 80s, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that Cox came in. Anybody know um, exactly? I'm really bad at, at, at uh, remembering <laughs> the dates on things. But um, I, I don't think that's there anymore. I don't think that's happening. But that was a fund to help people like you get the funding to do the capital to do productions. Right. And I, I still think that that's a key. Well, um, we, we, we have, like, we have a situation. Like I said, New Orleans is, in Louisiana is a complicated place. Um, nah. So we, they, they have something now that they're, uh, it's called the Alliance of uh, Louisiana Filmmakers or something like that. Apparently the last time they did the tax credits, they had <coughs> to put money to the side for independent filmmakers. So they have some people that are um, getting together and trying to figure out how to... Well, Create, create LA, isn't that what it's called also, the organization? Not, Jolene Pinder's involved with Well, that. Jolene's involved, but it's, it's called Alliance of something. Alliance of Louisiana is Jolene okay. and Darcy from uh, Novak. Okay. Um, <coughs> but even with that, like, so they have this money, and, like, one of the main things they're looking at is uh, to give this money out would be, like, matching grants. 
And that's where like the disconnect comes when it comes yeah. to somewhere like well, Walmart. matching funds. Too. Well, the thing is, is, is you know, we raised five thousand um, dollars because the difference between with, with the situation you were in and the situation I'm in now, like I can make a film with nothing, and it's presentable, because me and my film partner, like we came up in television, so we we, we know everything on a technical on a technical aspect. Um, but as far as gaining capital, like we're not entrepreneurs. Like we don't know how to set up meetings and you know convince somebody to give us money. Um, so if you're giving us matching grants, and this is this is where I think the disconnect is because there's nobody in the room to explain this. If you're giving me a matching grant, like you might be giving me a matching grant for 200 bucks, 500 bucks maybe. I don't have access to raise capital to make it worthy for me to get a matching grant. So it doesn't affect me. Now there are filmmakers out there who have access to capital who I have to compete with every year in film festivals, and they they're basically just going to get you know more money for their films. And those are not usually are not you know people that are you know women or, or, or minorities or filmmakers of color. So I think eventually it's going to become a problem, and that's kind of like another reason why I'm kind of like I don't know about Louisiana. But you see, on the other hand, the, uh, it, it really should be the opposite. It should be because we are such a culturally rich uh, place with this these uh, you know we we, we still. Um, engage our roots mm-hmm. in today's work. In other words, today's work encompasses our cultural legacy. Right. So, you know, we have the culture bearers that are out there still working, and um, people who are working in the creative fields should be able to benefit from that. And it sounds to me like there needs to be some kind of a matchmaking process right. that puts folks like you together with some of the folks who are coming out of your programs who are got some entrepreneurial chops and see what happens. There's there's some kind of a, literally not unlike the online dating services. <laughs> so instead of it being a romantic coupling up, you know, how about a, a similar? There probably is some existing app like this, right? So some th- program. This is not an uncommon problem, which is in in most startups, most entrepreneurial ventures, you have somebody who is sort of the technical expert, mm-hmm. the person who builds the product, the artist, the coder, uh, and they need to be paired with someone with that business skill set, right, that can help take that, form it, shape it, build the business model around it, go out, uh, and sell it, right? And so that's uh, that's a really interesting that's an interesting problem, and it's interesting to hear that it it really does exist across different industries. Mm-hmm. And I know I, that's something that students within the universities are are always keen on is looking for opportunities to get plugged in with creative businesses. Right. Well, let me just say this too. I mean, when you think about the problems that you're facing in terms of you don't know how to pitch, it, whether you're pitching your idea or the next you know, mousetrap, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you, those skills, those soft skills of being able to pitch are skills that you can learn and apply for anything in life, right? right. I mean, I, I, I know that when I'm, when I'm teaching my students how to pitch, they don't necessarily always apply it long-term to the idea that they're talking about in the classroom right then. But they may be able to then think back to that experience and use that in the future because when you're able to tell some, someone a convincing story that they emotionally connect with and they lo- logically believe in, mm-hmm. that's something that they're going to be able to apply in any setting. And so um, New Orleans Entrepreneur Week really is an, it's, it's an open door for anybody, even if you don't feel like you are going to be a tech coder or going to even start your own thing. You can, you can gain insights and gain, gain skills that yeah. you may not have. I mean, if, if you can get a guy from here who can 
do the waiters program based out of here. Or um, uh, what's one of the other big uh, crowdsourcing programs that that, that was uh, started here? Kickstarter. Huh? Kickstarter, Kickstarter was actually Kickstarter started here. Conceived was, was, here out of this problem, actually. Here exactly in New Orleans, right. Yeah. If, if those big operations can be, surely we can figure out a way how to capitalize some of our film and video work better. So David by, Olk, uh, O-L-K, is a Tulane alum. He, was, he graduated along with Perry Chen and the other folks who started Kickstarter. He's coming back because um, to give a talk. It's Thursday uh, late in the afternoon. And he's going to talk about that story, the Kickstarter story. He's also going to talk about Shopkeep, which is um, literally I'm checking out a Mojo Coffee. Uh, so Shopkeep is the name of it. Uh-huh. And I'm checking out a Mojo Coffee this morning, getting my cup of coffee. And I look down there, and the, the reader says Shopkeep across it. And I'm like, well, look at that when, you know, part of your everyday life. And so there are people like that who, even if you have an idea for a film or an idea for something that you are excited about that maybe – you know, isn't on the agenda necessarily at Noe. It doesn't mean that they couldn't be interested in your idea and want to help you and, and be a part of that. And so it really is a chance. We mean open door. We mean wide open for anybody who's a creative, anybody who's excited about something that they think is innovative. This is the place for you. So I'm going to join into the uh, discussion now. Kurt Weigel, who's the uh, CEO and uh, president of the Downtown Development District, which I often say of all the economic development organizations in the city, his is the one that is probably most sensitive to and committed to the creative industries. And um, he will be moderating the panel on Wednesday morning at um, 10 o'clock between 10 and 12 at the Contemporary Arts Center in the shop space on the third floor. And Jonathan Jackson is going to be on that panel. So he's, uh, along with some really interesting people, we've got a guy named Kelly Lindquist, who is the, I think he's just about number one arts um, oriented developer in the country, and he's got about 60 projects out there that he has developed, and we're talking like 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollar projects. So um, I think it's going to be very interesting to hear him talk about how he got started and all the projects that he's doing. And again, um, the focus of that particular panel is about how we can use real estate as a resource, and we have not been strategic enough here. We've got schools that are being thrown out into the market for just anything church properties, empty properties, and I really think we need a much more strategic approach to the use of those facilities in the creative industries. But um, Kurt is a really good example of someone who's focused on making that happen in the Central Business District. Kurt. Gene, it's good to be with you. (laughs) Good to be with you. I'm glad you're on the air with us. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, how you have tried to focus the – um, Central Business District on the, as you call it, the industries of the mind and, and, and how that is changing the character of what was quite frankly at one point when I first got here kind of a sleepy kind of, you know, Central central Business District. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and I may even start with why because, you know, with, in economic development, um, you, you've always got to start with what you're good at, right? What are your strengths? And we as a city, I know, and, you know, certainly for for you and probably for most of your audience, this will be uh, preaching to the choir, but we're a city whose greatest single asset today, you know, maybe at one point it was being on the river, you know, back when that was so critical, but our greatest single asset is our cultural resource, the, 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 and that comes from the place itself. 
you know, there's so many cities across America who would kill to have the cultural richness that we have in our in our own city, in our backyards, almost literally. And so that's door why it's door. so important for us, because it's, you know, some would call it asset-based economic development. It's what we're already good at. The question is how we can turn that into more jobs for our people, more wealth creation across the whole range. So, um, you know, getting folks who may who may not have a whole lot of opportunities to create wealth, how to give them more opportunity to create wealth, and then how to create more tax base so we can, you know, continue to fix our city and to and to uh, create the programs that are going to con- allow us to continue to create a, a good quality of life for our citizens. And, you know, if anybody steps onto the, uh, onto the streets of the warehouse district, which is within the CBD, it, it's astounding how that area has changed. I mean, I first came here to New Orleans in the early 70s and can remember so clearly um, walking down Camp Street and, and it was, it was, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, it was just basically a skid row kind of part of town. It was just not happening. And um, with the introduction of the Contemporary Arts Center and, and ultimately Ogden, now the War Museum is just, I mean, it's not my favorite form of cultural entertainment, but oh my God, that thing is just amazing. And um, so Julia Street, all the, the galleries, the restaurants, the hotels, um, so much has happened that has been stimulated really out of the creative industries. Yeah, you're right. And so, and so we, you know, what's so exciting is we can already see a little bit of the potential just in what you described with the, you know, we call it, most people would actually refer to that nowadays as the arts district, right? I know that we certainly do. And so you see some of the opportunity, but there's yet, and I know that this is one of the things that you, thank you for your kudos to the DDD and, you know, to me, but what you have done, what you understand so well, is that we have got to create opportunity across the board for everyone in the city. And, you know, and, and, and what I think that's one of the things that is yet left on the table is how do we bring more and more of our, of our culture bearers, of our citizens across the board who've got something to contribute, how we get them to the table so they can start benefiting from this? Because we love having art galleries downtown, and that's, a, that's an important part of our, of our vibe. It's an important part of our economy, but I think we can do even more than that. And uh, that's why I think our partnership with, with Canna was so important. Well, thank you for that. And um, I think that one of the things that we've been talking about throughout this show is um, the power of the uh, New Orleans Entrepreneur Week in general and its openness, its, the fact that it's free, the fact that anybody can come. I'm encouraging people that they don't have to worry about having a business suit. They can come in there. You know, their hoodies, they, there's going to be a lot of young millennials there who will be just, uh, just in their most comfortable gear. Trust me, my students don't dress up, so you don't have to worry about that one second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you know, and, and it takes place in the Central Business District, and the Ace Hotel is actually a good example of the kind of thing that's come along since um, that vibe that you describe has developed. And by the way, Matt Schwartz, who is one of the developers with domain companies, he's going to be on the panel um, as well. Tara Hernandez, who developed the um, Blue uh, Plate uh, um, Artist Studios, um, is going to be on the panel. Um, Jonathan, we were just talking uh, with uh, before you came on, uh, is going to be on the panel. I'll be on there. And um, oh, Brian, um, um, oh God, I'm not going to get his name perfect. Um, uh, Giacana 
uh, is pretty close. <laughs> is yeah, uh, right. coming from Birmingham. Right. Thank you. Is going to talk about this big initiative that's going on in Birmingham, and and that's the kind of thing that um, it it kind of uh, makes me shake in my boots a little bit when I see a, a city. I'm, I'm sure Birmingham is a very culturally rich area, but it's not New Orleans, and they are kicking behind, and they've created this thing called Create Birmingham, yep. and taking this whole industry sector very seriously. You might wind up, uh, Jonathan, in Birmingham. No, I, I screened a film out there in uh, August at Sidewalk, so that was the first time I went there. It's, it's, it's a beautiful city. How about you like Well, you know, the, the thing that, it, that occurs to me, you know, there's been talk, you know, for the last now several decades about the offshoring of jobs, and even IT jobs, you know, which is an important part of growing part of our economy downtown are important to us. But some IT you can offshore. We all know that. But, but you cannot offshore jobs that are based on the place and the culture of the place, right? And so that's part of why this is so attractive is that because this is, this comes from the very roots of New Orleans, it can only happen here, but we've got to grasp it and we've got to, we've got to invest in it. We've got to do what it takes in order to uh, bring it to fruition. Um, I think this conversation on the 26th, right, at the um, at the Contemporary Arts Center that's part of NOE that the DDD and the Creative Alliance of New Orleans have put together is a really good po- a good place to start that, right? Um, we all know that that uh, – I, you mentioned Matt Schwartz. One of the things that Matt Schwartz would probably say if he were here is he would correct you on the Arts District and say the Arts and Innovation District, right? <laughs> and when we put those two things together, we, we start to have some really exciting things happen. And so uh, you see that developing downtown. You can sort of feel it in the physical footprint. My office is at the Contemporary Arts Center, and so I see it. I live it every day. Um, and it is a big part of what makes New Orleans unique. And by the way, STEAM, okay, so you've all heard about STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, engineering, and um, math, okay, add arts in, and then you have the full picture, and more and more people are linking up science and art, and right now in New Orleans, again, talk about an opportunity direction for us, we're having to deal with the science of the survival of an environment in the face of climate change. And artists are very much into this and dealing with it and addressing it in their products, in the art that they do, whether it's visual, whether it's film, music. You hear them trying to evoke um, an understanding and a willingness to really focus on the importance of our environment. And um, so this is another one of those areas of confluence that, you know, we need a little bit more matchmaking uh, to to get hap- to happen, but um, Kurt, give me just um, a, a quick um, sort of uh, in a nutshell um, how you see the the central business district today as compared to yesterday, and how, where are you going tomorrow? Well, I think you know you've, you you and really the whole panel here has has given a good idea of where we've come from. So, you know, we, you know, we, we've doubled the number of people living downtown. And I think that's an important point here is that, and this is why Kelly Lindquist is so important to this conversation. One of the, one of the ways we describe downtown is a collection of neighborhoods. That's important because, because culture comes generally out of neighborhoods. It, you know, Especially downtowns and central business district is not what you think of as a place where culture is born. Maybe where it's incubated and where it grows, but it comes from neighborhoods. And 
and but what people don't realize is that downtown is a collection of neighborhoods. You know, we've got the warehouse district we've talked about, but Lafayette Square neighborhood. We've got the opportunity to create a whole new neighborhood around uh, the old Charity Hospital building with with mixed income housing and and uh, and the retail and the arts and everything that creates a good community. And so I see really more of the same, us trying to, to strengthen and to amplify the neighborhoods of downtown. And that, that's something that we cannot lose sight of. When you look at, for instance, why people flocked, have flocked and now have kind of overrun Soho in, in New York, it's because it started as a neighborhood. It started as an authentic place. And that's, that's really, that kind of authenticity is what people, you know, tourists as well as locals are drawn to. And so, I think we've got to continue to to develop the neighborhoods of downtown, and in doing so, I, I mentioned you know creating affordable places to live. That's an important piece of the puzzle, and we've got a, you know a, a particularly right now an outstanding opportunity with what happens in, in the whole char- charity neighborhood um, to to do that, and and so creating places where who the, the culture bears, the folks who are actually creating the culture, redeveloping the culture. Can afford to live is important. So I, th- that's an important part of our picture right now: is creating an environment that invites everyone, so that we can continue to be that font of of culture that is so important to this city. And this is a huge challenge because actually, when you bring up Soho and as an authentic neighborhood, I was there then. Okay, I was there at the beginning. <laughs> right. When it was nothing but a neighborhood of small, industri- light industrial lofts, when it was yep. a place where garment, the garment industry was located, where little factories happened, um, and then it became, uh, it was inexpensive, so artists could move into the lofts. They started moving into the lofts. Laws were changed to accommodate them because initially they were forbidden to be there, and that just, that had to give way, and it did. Um, but now, Kurt, Across the street from my artist girlfriend's loft on Prince Street is a gap. (laughs) And and two doors down from that is, you know, some other big box. So um, I have not yet really heard um, uh, ideas for how we really are going to um, try to maintain the authenticity of our original culture that comes from an area and how we are going to make sure that people are able to stay in areas where the rents go up and the selling prices go up and therefore the insurance goes up and the taxes go up. And that is part of what we're going to talk about in that panel. You know what, guys? We're out of time. I can't believe it. I'm so sorry. And um, But let me just, again, uh, emphasize I can't help but do it because it's our panel. It's uh, it's it's Tuesday morning starting uh, at 10 o'clock, 10 to 12. Food, of course. We're in the wonderful um, uh, co-op space up there and uh, the, the, shop. the shop. And we're going to have um, a light lunch after our, our forum. So come and be prepared to scarf up some goodies as well. And um, uh, thank you to the DDD for making that happen. Thank you to Idea Village and Tulane University for making this thing happen. And thank you above all to my artist buddy sitting next to me here, Jonathan, <laughs> who you. we're going to try to keep in New Orleans. <laughs> thank you, everybody. This is Gene Nathan. It's Cross Town Conversations. And we will... Catch up with you again next Wednesday, and uh, we might just do a couple more folks and talk about what's happening on Thursday and Friday during the culmination of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. Gene Nathan, bye.